Hi, welcome to the Dooley UK podcast. I'm Leela Baker and today I'm with Ria. Hello, I'm Ria Lawrence. I'm a birth doula and a placenta remedies specialist. So today we will be talking about um, a particular report that some of you might have heard about. It's the um, Embrace report, um, which lists um, maternal outcomes and um, the difference between specific groups of people um, in how that may or may not have affected the outcomes. Yep, and it's got like some specific case studies of um, of some of the maternal deaths and what they think would have caused them. Okay, so can you tell us what the study was for um, and then what the results revealed? Yeah, sure. So the study is conducted uh, every year and I think has been for about nine years. Um, and it looks at a two-year period, and this one covers, I think, about 2,300,000 births. Okay. Um, and then it looked at how many of those resulted in uh, maternal death, and then it's analysed to an extent why those occurred. And what, um, sorry, what what constitutes a maternal death? What makes it maternal? At what point, time period does it occur? That um, it... So the deaths are bet- uh, either... In pregnancy, so antenatally or postnatally, I think they only looked at um, those that have occurred a year after. Okay, so the first birth. year of, yeah. of, of after having a baby. Yeah, yep. and they actually um, stratified... Or after pregnancy, I after, guess. Yeah, yeah so yep. even if it was an early yep. pregnancy or yep. a pregnancy loss, that yep. would still be included. Um, and they actually uh, check, stratified the, um, the reasons into... You could have a um, direct... Um, death, so that was like directly related to pregnancy or childbirth. Can you give us an example of that? Um, yes. So, what would, would it be like be? an illness, like pre- preeclampsia or something? It could but... be preeclampsia. Okay. It could be a hemorrhage, postpartum okay. hemorrhage. Yep. Um, yep. So yep. those would be so direct. physically related to the actual pregnancy yep. or birth. And then itself. indirect, yep. I think they were meaning. Yeah, I'm not even. Sh- I'm not actually quite sure how they. The difference between direct and indirect, but then there's would it include would it include um, so would it include um, circumstances that would change maybe the um, the mental health of the mother or the um, domestic situation of the mother? Yeah, I think that could be included, and possibly like physical um, difficulties that aren't necessarily related to pregnancy, but yep. that could have maybe been exacerbated by the pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's something called coincidental, which okay. I guess is, yeah, Link, not linked. Yep. So we can probably fell down the stairs those, or something. Yeah, or, discount yeah, those in yep. terms of their relevance to maternity care that yep. they received. Okay, thank you. And then what did, in general, what did the results reveal? If you could just give us some of the headlines from. Yeah, sure. Um, so, the m- most shocking one that most of us doulas have heard, is that um, in the in the UK, black women were five times more likely to die. So in in the, sorry, can you just say that just one more time? Of How course, many times yeah, more likely? Five times more, which, yeah, it's quite, um, quite high. I think it's been slowly creeping up. So the, the Embrace report from previous years yeah. has shown that there is a, a disparity of care. Okay. Or a disparity of outcomes, sorry. Yeah. Um, but it's actually got worse. I think it was once upon a time it was four times more like as, as likely, and now it's five times. Which, you know, thinking about our awareness of things in life in general, you would think it would be going the opposite way. Yeah, and I mean, the, the report is done not just for, you know, a box ticket exercise. Mm-hmm. The, of course, 
there are um, recommendations made based on the um, data. So obviously what, what they've done to try to reduce that is not currently working. So yeah, it's good that the data is still coming out and we can analyse it further. So can you tell us a little bit more about what the study um, analysed? Yes, sure. Um, so the maternal deaths um, that happened within that two-year period uh, were sort of the care that the woman received was um, reviewed by some assessors. Mm -hmm. um, so they looked at the data and they basically checked if the care was substandard or, you know, if it, if anything within the care could have been changed for the lady to have survived. Yeah. Um, and they, the report showed that there were five major characteristics that mm -hmm. led to death, uh, the first of which was haemorrhage. Okay. So postpartum haemorrhage was um, quite high up there. So heavy bleeding after yeah. having the baby. Yeah, yeah. so we, I guess we'll probably come back to each one in turn, so okay. I, won't, yeah. I won't go into that yeah. in depth at the moment. So it was, it was haemorrhage, thrombosis or thromboembolism. So that's like was, a blood clot. Yeah, yeah. Or, or one that, a blood clot that's moved yeah. around. Yeah. Um, mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, uh, actually, we'll, we'll call that one vulnerable groups, but okay. a lot of it was related to Okay, and do, did, did they separate, is there a separate category for pre-existing mental health, or does that all come within that same... Um, so, it was... so I imagine that might include things like um, postpartum anxiety and depression, or even antenatal anxiety and depression. Well, the thing was, with a lot of the case studies, it seemed to be... That was one of the difficulties, actually. It was, you know, were the were existing mental health conditions not spotted or mm -hmm. not disclosed, mm -hmm. or were were they just coming up as a as a result of pregnancy okay. or early motherhood? Yeah. So actually, that was one of the sort of distinctions that were made that that needs to improve okay. um, is spotting um, mental health comorbidities and making sure that the care is sort of like coordinated better. Yeah. Different teams are liaising. Yeah. Yeah, joining up the process. Yes, exactly. So yes, we had thromboembolism, hemorrhage, mental health, and then there was a malignancy and vulnerable groups. What's malig what? What's malignancy? Malignancy. So I think that would probably be. I must say I haven't read as much mm -hmm. about this. Um, probably be. Um, a what was the word? Coincidental. Okay. Because malignancy is um cancer basically. So okay. I think probably if you developed cancer either in your pregnancy or postnatally, it's possibly not to do with okay, having yeah. bad children. Yeah. But it may not be. I do need to research that one mm -hmm. slightly better. But I was most interested, really, in hemorrhage and mental health, personally. Because mm -hmm. um, for me, the hemorrhage one was interesting because it seemed like the main reasons for hemorrhage were to do with medical intervention. Okay. So, so their medical intervention in the delivery of the baby. Yeah. Okay. So um, cesareans and induction okay. seem to always be involved when there was a postpartum hemorrhage. Okay. Um, and it's actually something that I've never um, come across until now, which is called a uterine. What was it? Sorry, bear with me. Yeah. So it's called a uterine angle extension. Okay. Which I believe, from what I can glean from just sort of like little Google searches, I'm not a midwife, I'm a yep. doula and I'm not a medical professional, but yep. um, it's when like the an incision's made in the uterus during caesarean, but yep. it sort of, 
extended extends too far. Okay. And it goes into a, the uterine artery. Okay. Which of course will will cause greater bleeding than just yeah the, the muscle of the uterus. Um. So the main factor that I found interesting was that um. If a if a lady's been um allowed sorry a terrible word but yeah. if a lady labors until yeah. labors until she's like nine centimeters dilated and then has a cesarean yeah. The position of the uterus is like, it's much more likely for those uterine um, angle extensions to happen. Okay. So it may be worth look midwives and um, obstetricians and gynecologists looking at when it's appropriate to give a woman a cesarean. Yep. Because... Um, or yeah. adjusting the method, perhaps, I don't understand. Yeah, or, you know, or how adjusting they the method, possibly. The incision, but yeah. Yeah, but it seems like if you've gotten to nine centimetres... Maybe then there should be a like you know you you cannot have a cesarean now like I don't know if that would be practicable. Because... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that changes if that changes the guidelines in any way. Yeah, because um they've they've actually the ARCOG the Royal College of Gynaecologists mm. have known about this for a while and they've changed um they've changed something in the ruling. I'll, I'll try and find it for you, but that hasn't evidently worked. So the study has, you know, the point of the study is not just to give us a set of facts and figures. It's also to help us to um, improve practices across healthcare and and pregnancy and parenting support. Absolutely. So how um, how does the how do the outcomes that it has it has highlighted how do they affect us in the birth world? How do they affect the birth world? Um, so I think for men, the uh, perinatal mental health is like has been raised as quite a big place where we can improve and it will have big, you know, uh, impact. Okay. Um, so if a mother, if a new mother um, suddenly starts to exhibit um, like a, a lack of faith in her ability to mother or not wanting to be around the child, mm-hmm. that's a real red flag for us to probably escalate. Uh, to like other services, yeah, um, because that was a lot of the a lot of the suicides in the first six months. Yeah, it was due to uh, that happened, and it either wasn't picked up or it wasn't escalated quickly enough, or um, there wasn't a specialist team that knew about perinatal mental yep. health to to sort of follow up. And just you know, thinking about mental health on in general. Yeah. Um. I mean, I saw a um. I saw a, an article on, on uh, a social media site recently about a, a couple of black guys in Croydon, in the Croydon area, mm-hmm. who have been working towards raising the awareness and the reducing the stigma mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. Uh, mental health among the black male community. Yeah, that's really um, good. And, you know, do you, so do you think things like that could be part of the, part of the um, reason that, that, for example, black women are are suffering more in the, in these circumstances. Um, yeah, I do think there's still like a real stigma around mental health diagnosis certainly. Like I think this we've definitely come on in in terms of like being able to express how we're feeling even if we if if it's not like yeah, I'm great today, you know. We're e- it's easier to say that you're feeling low. It's okay to help. not be okay. Yeah, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But yep. I think in terms of diagnosis, I don't I think a lot a lot of people, especially um, the black and minority ethnic community, because we are 
um, what's that word? We're over represented in terms of mental health. Like, I think it's it's difficult to engage with the services because you don't want to you just be tarred with the same brush. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is that sort of fear of actually accessing the services yep. because you think you might be labelled more harshly than yep. somebody else yep. accessing those services. Which is one of the you know one of the real world examples of how racism affects us as individuals. Yeah, exactly. We're overrepresented in that uh, area. We're overrepresented in the prisons. So, yeah. 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 Okay, um, and so talking about real world examples, mm. then um, how can you? I mean, I can give. I'll give an example for of of how um, I might have seen or heard of of this affecting people in the community. Yeah. So I was at a, um, a maternal mental health alliance conference mm-hmm. um, last year, and one of the um, speakers was discussing some responses they'd had from people who had been through a set of screening while they were pregnant or shortly after having their babies. Mm-hmm. And the people who were from non-white backgrounds yeah. um, reported having been asked, how are you, less often. And mm-hmm. so something as basic as, as, you know, how are you, They so then they didn't feel that they had found a connection with their caregiver. Yeah. And that then could go on to have a an impact on their ability to access that carer mm-hmm. to get some care and yeah. attention in, not, in all sorts of... yeah and disclose if, if you haven't had even the most basic of sort of pleasantries. Ple- yeah, you know, mm. basic human behaviour yeah, kindness. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the, the term, the phrase, how are you actually? Because I was recently at um, an event uh, where a senior midwifery lecturer spoke and she was saying that actually she feels that that how are you phrase is sometimes a bit sort of ineffectual and fly, fly, throw away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting because actually, yes, it can be seen as just this sort of inane thing that you say. Yeah. Um, but if you're not getting it, it actually becomes a really important thing. And yeah. the lack of it is is sort of telling. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. And even if they weren't asked that specific question, what they're reporting is having having perceived less inquiry from that caregiver mm. and so therefore that it, it might must feel like to them that the caregiver does not is not interested in them as yeah. much as the people who and and even if the people who have reported that they did feel that interest mm. even if that interest was no different their perception of that makes a difference yeah. down the line mm-hmm. yeah because i mean how are you if you if you if you don't say how are you and then you just launch into this list of yes. you know have you yes. ever suffered this have you yes. ever suffered that have you got a history of heart attack it yep. just feels like it's literally a professional you know you're just doing your job yeah you could be doing boxes. it in the computer yeah. you could just type it into exactly. a computer exactly so there's no like human touch or professional curiosity yep. coming across so yeah yep. that is that's pretty bad thank you um, and if you apart from you know so if you if you think about this report it's it's based from it's People in the UK. This is a UK right, study. Yeah. So when you watch TV and you you read books and things, a lot of the a lot of the differences of um, levels of treatment amongst um, different ethnic backgrounds. Mm. Most of that stuff we hear is about non English circumstances or non UK circumstances. So mm-hmm. we hear a lot about racism in America, for example, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of 
you just sort of dismiss it as being something that happens over there. Mm. We don't have that problem here. Yeah. Well. Um, and this is in this is this is a UK study. Yes. So it's even more alarming to those of us who live here because we think, well, oh, we didn't realise that. Yeah, I mean, per- personally, I have started to realise. Um, but I think, yeah, what's pernicious about it is that it's sort of, it's hidden. It's not like America where it's obvious and mm-hmm. visible. It's sort of, yeah, it's sort of like a national thing. Like a dirty secret. Yeah. That makes it worse, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's sort of at levels where you can't, call it out yeah, yeah and that's yeah, yeah that does make it worse because you sort of get told that you're paranoid or that it's your problem mm-hmm. and so then you've even you've got this other thing to deal with yep. of like second guessing yourself and yes. self-doubt so yes yeah um gaslighting yeah. yeah and that's why i'm really pleased in fact i wanted to do a little disclaimer before we started and i totally forgot but just to just to let people know that you know we're not here to say this group of people have failed these women no. or, or this person no. or this trust. Or it's this a failure on all of our parts. Exactly. Yeah. We're all in it to improve. And yeah. this, and that's why it's so fantastic that this data comes out and that it's available to everybody yeah. to analyse themselves. Um, and uh, so comparing us to America, mm. so the one thing we have here that they don't have there is the NHS. Yes. You know, we have an amazing healthcare Incredible. system, yeah. which, you know, uh, gives a lot of people who wouldn't be able to afford, afford private treatment, mm. treatment for free. Yeah. Um, and it's something we completely take for granted. Mm-hmm. In America, some of the disparities you could blame, you know, where I've no idea about the actual figures, mm. but you could blame some of those disparities in outcomes on a uh, money thing. So yeah. you could say, you know, the people from a particular background, because they're disadvantaged because of their race, which again is not fair, but, you know, mm. it it may be the way that it is at that point. Yeah. Um, you could blame it on that, that they didn't have access to private health care. But we have access, everybody has access here. Yes. So, you know, that makes us have to spend even more time analysing what's going wrong in our, yeah. in our free system. Ensuring that everybody who accesses this free system is getting the same level, and yeah, apparently they're not. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, I think it's interesting what you, how you talked about it there, because yeah, I think it wouldn't necessarily mean that it's not racism just because you could attribute it to having been from a socially deprived area, because we know that sort of the most... The most densely populated areas of London are usually where all the black and brown people live. Like yep. that's you know that you yep. could search that and that would be proven to be the case. Yep. So, yeah, the two are sort of linked, aren't they? Obviously, they as we know, yeah. class and race. So. Yeah. Were there any recommendations made by the report, or as a as a result of the report? Um, yeah, the main one that stuck out for me was the. Um, like a greater provision of mother and baby units would have really helped with the um, women who'd suffered postnatal um, mental health issues. Okay. Um, and so what's a mother and baby unit? Okay, yeah. So it's a place where both mother and baby can stay because some, some of the problems were coming from, um, you know, mother would have to go in to maybe a, a psychiatric unit. And or, be separated from her baby. Yeah, yeah, and then baby might be, you know, miles away. Yeah. Um, and then families are having to take them take on that responsibility yeah um so yeah if there were if there were if there was better provision to mother and baby units that wouldn't be, have been such a problem um and also the coordination of care so um liaising with the right teams and having one named individual who knows all the teams that are involved in the woman's care and knows you know which like a key worker each. yeah yeah because a lot of the time it seemed like um 
you know, um, the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. So each team thought that the other team were, were dealing with it and actually not, not one of them was. Okay. Um, so that was quite upsetting. Um, so you asked about what other recommendations? Yeah. yeah. Um, so another thing that they would like to try to improve is the screening. Uh, okay. Early pre early antenatal screening. Mm -hmm. So early um, is considered thirteen weeks or less. Yeah, thirteen weeks gestational mm -hmm. age. Um, so in Lewisham, I know that ours is quite good. It's like okay. we've got an eighty nine percent rate of, of early antenatal screening. But um, yeah, if they can... and does the screening come in the form of of questions during an appointment? So the screening can be questions during an appointment. It can be actual like tests, um, clinical tests, yep. blood tests sugar t uh, blood sugar t levels um, yeah. so all different things like that so there's actually like a timeline of what gets which tests are performed when yeah. throughout the pregnancy so i think yeah if, if women are getting those in earlier then maybe the, the continuity of care would improve okay uh, and as doulas um yeah. what can we do what can we do literally on the ground level but also, you know, is there is there some other things we can do in terms of engaging with um, healthcare providers? So, what can we do as doulas to turn the tide on on yeah. these these the disparities mm -hmm. specifically between these outcomes? Yeah, that's a really tricky question. I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, you know, because obviously midwives have their role to play and doulas have our yeah. role to play. Um, so, one of the things that you were talking about recently on a social media group that we are both in mm. um, is. A um, is is helping people with breastfeeding support in a community that you know um, doesn't have as much breastfeeding support yeah. as as they could have. So would that kind that could that kind of thing providing um, access accessible um, interaction between new parents yeah. new mothers? Do you think that would help? The situation? Yeah, so I think social isolation as a new mum can be a big problem. Um, and obviously it won't help your mental health um, and well-being if you're just stuck at home. So, yeah, I think those sorts of groups that are free and yep. in your very close area yep. would be really helpful. Yep. Um, what else for doulas? Um, and what about if we were... So I was thinking the other day, if we could be more, just more aware of those disparities in our engagement with our clients mm. um, and without treating every person who falls into one of the groups of higher incidences of stuff yeah. like they are likely to, mm. but just being more aware as we go about our interaction with them, um, you know, our yeah. client support, our antenatal meetings, um, our signposting mm -hmm. of things, um, if we could be just more alert to some of the things that actually they are then more likely to be a victim of or be, you know, yeah, for uh, yeah. Too. just you know, seeing the woman in front of you and not mm -hmm. a collection of risks mm -hmm. or potential problems. Yep. I think, yeah, because I I thought that about the um, like the incidence of if you've got a high BMI, yep. the greater risk for thromboembolism. Yep. Yes, there is that link, but you don't want to be sort of like berating a woman for being pregnant and a, no. a little bit obese. No. But equally, you want to drive home the idea that. You are at a greater risk for this, and the symptoms that you should be looking out for, and ready to tell someone about are X, Y, Z. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a fine line. So just isn't signposting it? them to that to that information they're slightly more likely to need. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
Yeah, without it suddenly becoming like a, you will definitely get this. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a tricky one. Because then you have, to, you know, the guilt and blame mm. thing is 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 difficult yeah. because the circumstances can't always be changed for whatever reason. Exactly. Um, and then, as an organisation, as do, what can Doula UK do to either support our doulas to provide a better service mm-hmm. or to change the the nation's view of this, you know, of birth and pregnancy and the postnatal period, and mm. um, what can what, what can us as an organisation and any real organisation involved in mm. w- these women's lives, what can we do to help? Um, I would say to support our professions and support our professionals. So, campaigning for midwives to get better support, better training, better um, funding, um, support for this data to continue to be carried out yep. for the NHS to be funded properly yep. yeah I think those sorts of things on an organisational level we can really run with yep. do you think that it would be easier for um, people who are in a potentially vulnerable situation to access a service if they felt they were better represented within that service oh absolutely if you don't see anyone that looks like you it's just so hard to to want to access that and want to walk into that space where you're othered. You know? Yep, yep. And that's a, a, a situation that, you know, in, in... I mean, it's not even about being in a, in a minority. It's about being a, a person who is in other groups that people, lots of people may look down on, mm-hmm. um, even subconsciously. Yeah. You kind of... You, you walk around with that that bias on yourself almost. Mm. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're looking for someone to reach out to, you're mm. more likely to connect to somebody who you feel understands understand. where you're coming from, exactly. at least in that that one particular respect. Mm, definitely. And I'd I'd hate for this report to, you know, um, be a tool to medicalize birth even further. You yeah. Know, I don't want anyone to say, oh well, what? How many women died and. So that must mean that birth is definitely dangerous and we should get more hospitals yep. and more intervention. Like, that yeah. is not... That <laughs> no one's really, recommending yes, no that. One's the report is not saying yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, maybe... Especially even, if, if, you know, we're saying, actually, these interventions might possibly have... In have, some um, cases, have, yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, definitely that's something to remember. It's not... The, the figures are small for deaths. It's not like we have a problem no. in maternity care. No. We're it's just a, looking how to improve the, it. With yeah. how different groups of people are... Are yeah, not are shown differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank That's been amazing. Much. Thank yeah, you. It's been lovely.